0: Well, I bet you weren't expecting to see me up here on the screen without us being there with you in person. Unfortunately, Don and I are having to join you from our home because we've been exposed to someone who tested positive for COVID. Now, don't worry, we're fine. We don't have any symptoms and thankfully our friend is improving, but out of an abundance of caution and in keeping the rules that we've set for our Sunday gatherings, uh, she and I are gonna join you virtually. Now, uh, you're not going to see the scriptures up on the screen because, well, my face is on the screen. How about that? Uh, People have told me I have a big head, and now I bet you think that I do. Uh, What I want you to do, though, is to join me in opening up God's word. And so if you would, and I know I say this all the time, but if you would take out your Bible or your device and turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter eight and verse 12. John chapter eight, verse 12, and we'll get there in just a minute. But first, how many of you have read Mark Twain's The Adventures of Tom Sawyer? A classic, right? Well, if you have, you'll remember when Tom and Becky Thatcher joined some classmates for a game of hide and seek in a cave. And true to Tom's adventurous self, they wander off the path and they're lost for days. Tom and Becky begin to lose hope of ever being found as their flickering candle goes out and they're left in complete darkness. They can't even see their their hand up in front of their faces. Uh, Tom finally catches just a glimmer of daylight through a crevice and he makes his way back to Becky and leads her out of the dark cave into the bright light of day. You know, when you read the story, you can almost feel the growing sense of hopelessness as they're trapped in this dark, cavernous dungeon. But you also feel the hope that comes from the tiniest glimmer of light, which guides them out of the darkness and into freedom. Light and darkness, they're what order our days and our nights, but light and darkness are also spiritual conditions, something Jesus has come to address. So in John chapter 8, verse 12, we read, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And guess what that word life means? Zoe, the God life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself your testimony is not true you know it's a really contentious meeting when people start arguing with you before you're even finished speaking i i promise that's not the reason i didn't show up today that the fear that you might stand up and argue those that are listening to jesus in this moment in this setting they're offended by what he has to say And so they start arguing with him right in the middle of his message. They weren't there to learn. They were there to test him and to get rid of him. So they accuse him of bearing witness about himself and not telling the truth. And those are major religious infractions. Jesus must have really hit a nerve. He's declaring himself to be the light of the world but they understand what he's saying. He's actually claiming to be God. Look at his rebuttal in verse 14 of John 8. Jesus answered, "'Even if I do bear witness about myself, "'my testimony is true, "'for I know where I came from and where I am going, "'but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going.'" Now listen, I have to admit to you that on first reading, I kind of like what Jesus is saying here because it, it feels like he's talking a little smack, <laughs> like he's, he's dishing it back out to them. But when you really think about Jesus, I, I don't think that's the case. He's, Jesus is not snarky. He, he doesn't stoop to their level. He's not answering sass with his own sass. Jesus is declaring what is true. Even if I do bear witness about myself, he said, my testimony is true. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going, but you don't know either. So the question begs, where did Jesus come from? Well, of course he came from his father, but remember that Jesus is one person of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, And the triune God is the creator. All the way back to the first page of our Bible, Jesus knew where he had come from. Of course, he came from before creation, but he certainly came from the moment of creation as well. So if you go all the way back to the very first page of your Bible, Genesis 1, verse one, it reads this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, I bet you know what he said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. He had come from that moment in time where it all started for us where he spoke the world into existence and we're told that the earth was formless, void and dark. And it's in that moment that God said, let there be light and there was light and it was good. Here's the thing that I think about when I read that. It took the light of the world to create light in our world. Notice what the light addresses there in those verses. It says the earth was without form, it was void, it was covered in darkness. Now, I want you to think about those three things. They are definite physical things, formlessness, emptiness, darkness. But they're not just physical realities. They're also metaphors for our spiritual condition without God. When God said, let there be light, from that moment on, structure began to replace the formlessness and meaning began to replace the emptiness and light began to replace the darkness. In that moment, everything changed. That's what light does. That's what light does for those who are lost in their formless, empty dark lives of sin and death. But Jesus not only came from that moment of creation, he's also going to a moment in the future that is more glorious than any of us can really imagine. We're told what it's going to be like in the book of Revelation. So we've gone from the very first book, the first page, to the last book, almost the last page. And... We are told that the first earth, what we're experiencing here, is going to pass away and that there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And in Revelation 21, verse 23, that new Jerusalem is described to us. And it says in verse 23, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the lamb, that's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. That's where Jesus is going, where he himself will be the light and his glory will shine bright and there will be no need for our son, or our moon to shine. Now, you know, I've been noticing the last few evenings. I I get up very early in the morning, about 4 a.m. I love to go out with a cup of coffee on my back patio. And the last three mornings at 4 a.m., the moon has been so full and so bright that you can see my whole backyard. I see virtually everything back there. It's not as bright as when the sun shines in it, like on a day like today. But it is definitely bright. And, I, and I'm and i thinking to myself, that's such a an example of light to us, the sun and the moon. But in that new Jerusalem, there will be no sun or moon, for Jesus will be the light by which we live. So when Jesus is talking to these religious leaders, these detractors on this day in the temple from John 8, he says to them, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. He knows what he's talking about. No snark, no sass, just the truth. Now, you might not know, but all of this and this exchange in John 8, where John Jesus is talking to these religious leaders, it's happening during the Feast of Tabernacles, which is... is is a a festival of, of great and special significance. During the evening hours of this feast, the temple officials would light four huge lamps, candelabrum, and they would place them on the corners in the court around the temple, the court called the court of women. And the people would dance through the night and they would be holding up burning torches and worshiping the Lord. They did all of this, in memory of what they had come through as they exited Egypt and went through the wilderness. And if you remember that story, we're told that God's presence went with his people. It was by a cloud by day, and that was God's presence. But it was at nighttime, a massive pillar of fire that lit up the dark sky. Imagine, in their dark wandering through the wilderness, God's light was always with them. And this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, they are, they are commemorating that exodus. So in the middle of this feast, with, with the glow of torches and, and massive lamps bathing the city in light, Jesus declares himself to be the light of the world. Jesus man, he never wastes an opportunity to point their ceremony of remembrance to his fulfillment of purpose. What they were celebrating from the past, he came to fulfill for our future. He is the fulfillment of everything they've lived and recounted. That's why the psalmist would write in Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And the prophet Isaiah would say in Isaiah 9-2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And Isaiah would also declare one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Isaiah 60, verse one, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Jesus knew all of these scriptures. He came to fulfill them. For he is the light of the world, the true light, which gives light to everyone who receives him. He fulfilled all of these scriptures and more of them. By driving out the darkness, even thick darkness, which covers the peoples. That's what light does. It drives out darkness. You never see darkness overcoming the light. But if you're out in the dark and the house is lit and the door is opened, that light will come out that door and begin to shed light on where you are in the dark. That's what light does. The light of life, Jesus said, the zoe has been sent to address our our formlessness. The light of life, the zoe has been sent to fill our emptiness. The light of zoe has been sent to shine in our darkness so that we can, as Peter said in his epistle, proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, just one chapter over, and if you have your your Bible or your device, just go to John chapter nine, from John eight to John nine. In just that one chapter beyond, Jesus again declares himself to be the light of the world. It reads this, verse 1 of John 9, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, let me be clear. Both this man and his parents had indeed sinned, But that's not the point of what Jesus is doing here. There are people all around us who are spiritually blind and hurting. And maybe it's due to their specific sin or maybe it's just due to the fact that we all live in a fallen, sinful world. But that's never really the point with Jesus because he has already dealt with our sin. He dealt with it on the cross. It is no longer needed to be a barrier between us and him. So the sin is not the issue with Jesus. He's dealing with it here in this story. He has dealt with this for all of us. But the point we need to remember is what Jesus said the point is, that this man is about to experience the work of God. He's about to be the recipient of a miraculous event. And God's work would be put on display in him and it is intended to be put on display in us and on all those that we touch. Jesus continues in verse four of of John nine by saying, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. For night is coming when no one can work. But as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, did you notice that Jesus includes us in the works that must be done? We must work the works of him who sent Jesus. It's amazing that we get included in on what Jesus was sent to do. He says, you must join me. We are to do the work of the works of him who sent me while it is day. For night is coming, he said. And of of course, Jesus is speaking of his own death on the cross and the darkness that would cover the earth because of it. But here's a reality that we live in because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have daytime that we're living in. We're living in a day in which we are to be working the works of God. For Jesus is indeed the light of the world but he's also said to us, his disciples, that we are the light of the world. And in the same way that Jesus did, we are to let our lights shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. You know, if you keep reading this story in John 9, it's a fascinating exchange between this blind man and Jesus, and then this blind man who is going to be healed, and all of the religious leaders and his parents get involved, and it's just a mess as to what they're trying to make him believe. All this man knows is, I once was blind, but now I see. If you keep reading that story, you'll see that Jesus does some pretty interesting stuff. He um. He spits on the ground and he makes mud and he puts that mud on the man's eyes. And then he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Now, this is some out of the ordinary wacky stuff. I, I wouldn't suggest that you do this next time you're praying for someone who's sick. Probably won't go so well. But the blind man does what Jesus says, even though he can't yet see. And as he's stumbling and making his way to that pool with mud on his eyes and still not able to see, he bends down at that pool and he gathers up some water and starts washing away the mud. And then his eyes are opened because of the light of the world. This man was once blind, but now he sees. And Jesus goes on in the story to reveal to this man that he indeed is the promised one, the Messiah. And now not only does the man physically see, but his spiritual eyes have been opened as well, for he has been rescued out of darkness and brought into the marvelous light. Jesus is the light of the world. And he, as the light, gives structure to our formlessness. He gives fullness to our void. He gives light to our darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, for he he knew from where he had come. And he knew where he was going beyond, for he had come from the place where he himself had created all that we experience and he himself had said, let there be light. But where he is going, there will be no longer any need for the sun or the moon, for the lamb of God will be our lamp and the glory of God will shine brighter than we would ever need. Jesus is the light of the world. And in our spiritual blindness, he has come to give us back our sight. Remove the scales from our eyes and let us see him for who he really is. Amen. But Donna is with me and she's going to come and join. And we're going to just share just a few more moments and then we're going to pray for you.
1: That was great. There is so much in this about seeing him as he is, about him being the light. And the, it made me think of a song we used to sing when I was much younger um, that talks about when the eye is single, the whole body is full of light. Hmm. Because he is the light of life. And when we look to him, we become radiant not because of what we are or who we are, but because of how he enters into us. Hmm. So there's a couple of verses I just wanted to highlight before I pray, and they're all about being children of the light and children of the day. I love the part that you read about that. Um, but in First Thessalonians, it says, You are all children of the light and children of the day, so let us be sober and put on faith and love and hope encouraging one another and building each other up just as in fact you are doing. Mm -hmm. And then in Ephesians, it says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Yes. Live as children of the light and find out what pleases him. Mm -hmm. Be very Mm -hmm. careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity to understand what the will of the Lord is, be filled with the Spirit, speak to one another about spiritual things, give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus. And that's my prayer for us this morning.
0: Amen. Would you pray with us?
1: Father, we do thank you for bringing light into our formless darkness and void for coming in as the source of all good things, for translating us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son, Mm -hmm. for calling us children of the light. What an incredible inheritance, Lord. And we do want to walk worthy of it. We want to glorify you in it. Yes, Lord. Your light has come and dispelled the darkness. Mm-hmm. And because we are now children of the light in the Lord, we want to walk circumspectly. We want to um, witness to who you are in everything that we do. We want to daily encourage one another. We want to receive the gift of the Spirit. Yes. We want to live wisely in this age. So, Father, that's my prayer, that you would make these truths a reality in our lives, that we would be empowered by what you've done to live as children of the light. Yes, Lord. That we would be prompted by the Holy Spirit when opportunities arise, that we would take advantage of them Um, that we would be quick to witness. We would be quick to talk about your faithfulness. We would be quick to give words of strength and encouragement to others. Yes.
0: Father, we thank you for the revelation that you are giving us of yourself, that we can see you for who you are and not just what you do. And that as we peer upon you, as we fix our eyes upon you, as we look at your glory, we ourselves are being changed by one degree of glory to the next. Yes. I thank you, Father, that these realities are for us today every bit as much as they were for the day when you spoke them. And I pray, Lord, that your light would shine more brightly in our hearts, in our lives, families, in our church community, Lord, in our small groups, in everything we do. You're the light of the world, but you said to us, we are the light of the world. And that we're not to put this light under a shelter, a basket to hide it, but no, we're to put it on a lampstand and let it burn brightly that others would see, that they would be drawn to the light, that they would see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So we submit to you, Lord. We ask, Lord, first that your light would cleanse and purify us. Shine brightly on anything that needs repentance, that needs turning away from, that needs walking away from. Lord, search us and know our hearts. Mm. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there be any offensive way within us and then lead us in the way way everlasting. Lord, we ask that for our community and we ask that, that we would be the light in our neighborhoods and all around. We thank you, God, for what you're doing even in these days of shaking. For you sit and rule and reign on the throne and you've invited us into your kingdom. Mm-hmm. We ask all of this thing, all of this in your name and, and, the, and we pray a blessing, Lord, upon everyone who's there this morning and who's listening from around the world. We pray, Lord, that we will be your servants of light in this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are so grateful to our whole team, uh, Jamie and the other elders, and of course the worship team and the ushers, everybody there this morning. So we're blessed. We trust and pray that we'll be able to be back with you next Sunday. The Lord bless you. And have a wonderful Sabbath.